0: This is Joe Cole. This Colin. is Ruben off the cheek and you're listening
1: to the London, the London, London is Blue, Blue Podcast.
2: Podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue Podcast. It's a bonus episode, though. You know, this is a period of time, Chelsea... Basking in the glow of being not just champions of Europe but champions of the world, and you know Nick, uh, no brand new today, but he wishes he could be here because we are catching up with some good friends and talking about something uh, near and dear to us and something we're super passionate about.
3: That is correct. Yeah, this has been on the books for some time. Uh, scheduling, be damned, but but we're going to make it happen uh, here today. We're catching up with our friends at Common Goal, um, and we're going to talk about. Uh, not only what's been happening over the last uh, six or seven months since we spoke this summer, but also, uh, you know, given that it's Black History Month, um, getting updates on the anti-racist project, which is, you know, the thing that we have uh, kind of signed up to to support. So, yeah, very excited to uh, to get into it and introduce some new friends, Dan.
2: Right. Well, we uh, for those who maybe remember our episode last year, we did with Common Goal. We had Lily and Evan join us and we talked about joining common goal why it was important to us and uh, evan is back which we're super excited but also a new friend as well as kaya joining the team at common Goal. so uh, welcome to both of you and uh, kaya welcome to the first cap on london is blue thank you excited to be here
3: do you guys want to give a quick uh, intro as to your role with common goal and what you guys have been uh, working on over the last little bit
1: sure i i can go first um as you just said i'm sort of new to the common goal team my name is Kaya McCullough. I'm a former professional player, also played at UCLA. Um, yeah, go Bruins. Um, uh, and yeah. oh, come on, Evan. <laughs> Um But yeah, now I'm a program manager for Common Goal, um, specifically with the Anti Racist Project. So I'm getting to do a lot of the amazing work that we are trying to tackle within the racism space within soccer. Um, So it's, it's super exciting to not only be working for common goal, but to be talking with you all today.
3: Evan reintroduce uh, yourself to the world, my guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm Evan Whitfield uh, working with the amazing Kaya, um, who is a massive addition to the common goal team here in North America. Um, Just a quick recap. I uh, ex player back in the uh, 20 years ago, in Major League Soccer, uh, US Olympian, um, was a practicing attorney. I'm happy to say I just resigned from my firm um, and uh, took a position with the Chicago Fire as a vice president of equity, alumni relations and engagement, so had been agitating from the outside and now looking to be a change agent from the inside, um, but yeah, we're here today um, to bask in the glory of Chelsea, I suppose, and also kind of uh, let everyone uh, remind everybody what uh, common goal is and and what we've been doing for the last you know year and a half.
3: Well, let's let's just get into it, Dan. Let's just dive straight into what we're doing and why we're a part of this wonderful organization.
2: Well, and, and, you know, it's again set the stage, Common Goal, uh, a wonderful organization. Uh, The real kind of crux, you may have heard about them before if you haven't, this is the first episode listening and hearing about Common Goal. Uh, It's all about the 1% pledge, 1%. A small contribution uh, impacted by multiples uh, makes meaningful change. So the more of us giving away 1%, the kind of the volume of people doing that creates a, a massive Massive uh, individuals working towards a common change that can happen. Uh, and we did that as a part of other blues. Uh, again, uh, you know, Earth is blue at the moment because of Chelsea, but uh, Common Goal also turning bluer by the day. Uh, Timo Werner, Pernilla Harder, Magda Erickson, and now Jesse Fleming, uh, also former roommate of Kaya. uh <laughs> Uh, All committing 1% of uh, their kind of profits and earnings towards uh, charitable efforts, uh, not just even the Anti-Racist Project, but other uh, NGOs and organizations kind of across the globe that are trying to impact uh, social change through sport or, you know, sport-adjacent activities.
3: Yeah, and and that's what we did, right? We did our 1% uh, pledge uh, over the summer. We'll be up for that again uh, in the coming uh, summer as well. but. Uh, in addition to that, we, you know, you'll know if you bought merch from us during our our Champions of Europe spree uh, last spring that uh, we committed to donate ten percent of those profits as well um, as an additional kind of uh, good luck charm uh, back to Common Goal. So, you know, we're we're committed to this thing, and you know, it's something that we were excited about. We finally, you know, I think Dan finally felt like we found an organization that was doing the work that we wanted to be a part of. And it's something that we're really proud of. And I don't know, it just feels right.
2: Yeah. you know, And I think um, as we we take a look at, uh, you know, what individuals have said, you know, Nick, you, you found this quote that Jesse had in her announcement uh, about joining Common Goal that I think uh, would also speak to others as well as to why they would go about uh, kind of making this commitment.
3: Yeah, I mean, she obviously has teammates who are part of it. Um, So I think that, you know, and and apparently former teammates leading the charge. So there we go. Um, But uh, I think, you know, when she put out via soccer Bible that that she was doing this, um, she said, I mean, it's one percent. I think going back to doing my part, even if it's small to leave the game in a better place, especially the women's game. I chose to put my proceeds towards getting more women involved in leadership roles in football, which I think is important, especially as a woman in football myself, just having coaches or people working on technical technical staff, even physios, just having women in that environment alongside men is important. And so, I mean, Kyle, you know, Jesse quite well at this point. Uh, can you maybe talk about her joining uh, the, the cause here and and just her as a person?
1: Yeah. I'm, you know, when I, when I was in college, I made a fake Jesse Fleming number one fan account to mess with her. So I'm a big Jesse Fleming fan. uh, One of the greatest people I know off the field. And so it was really no surprise to me when I found out that she was joining common goal. So, I mean, she's, like I said, one of the best people I know. So it's, it's cool to see her getting back in that way. Um, very in a in a very public way, uh, because she, she's always sort of been doing the work behind the scenes. So it's it's nice to kind of put that frontward facing image to it. But yeah, I don't I don't know if she listens to this, but Jesse, I love you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, we'll have to make sure now that the proclamation of love is out there in the air. Just after Valentine's Day, we might add. Uh, you know, it's the fifteenth of February. Close proximity. Uh, we'll have to make sure that it ends up in her ears somehow.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll text her. I'll be like, "I this is your one compliment for the year that I'll give you." Uh, <laughs> so
2: yeah. one percent, one compliment. That's the trade off. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I,
3: I think uh, we uh, we certainly she seems like a very like do the work don't big oneself up type person is that kind of the sense that you get with you know with a lot of the the folks who are involved in common Goals that this is you know while it's a a cool part of you know their charitable giving experience that you know it's it's more important to actually get some stuff done than it is to big themselves up along the way
1: Absolutely. I think Common Goal is really big on collective action in general. And so I think that anybody who's able to subscribe to the idea of helping the collective is somebody who's ready and willing to put their actions and their money where their mouth is. And so I think that's sort of a a common thread that you can see uh, through members that are participating in any of Common Goal's collective projects.
2: And, you know, as we kind of talk about maybe just Common Goal to reframe it before we jump into some of the specifics about what's been going on with the anti-racist project, Evan, are there any uh, larger kind of things that have happened over the last quarter or kind of two quarters across Common Goal as an organization that would be of note or of interest uh, to people uh, who, you know, like us, like the the four of us on this show right now, uh, interested in football and interested in uh, leaving the world a better place?
0: Just to to reframe, you know, what started all this, right. And, uh, subsequent to the, uh, you know, lethal policing and the death of George Floyd and all the player activism, uh, that we saw specifically with black players for change and black uh, black women's player collective. Um, we had common goal, wanted to, um, you know, build off the uh, momentum of the athlete activists, right. And create something, um, that was, uh, Hopefully, going to lead to well, that would be an actual you know action, and then hopefully lead to substantive change, right? So, um, in March of 2021, we launched the anti-racist project to to a lot of fanfare and got um, some really great partnerships early on, including this amazing podcast. And since then, we've uh, brought on a a little company called Adidas, and they're pledging one percent of their global football sales for for three years. Um, zone is also um, a partner, which is really great. So the um, through like publicity, doing things like this, um, people really stepped up and, and, and began contributing, which is great. We use those funds um, to build out the first of the many modules of the project, which was the executive training program. And Kai and I worked uh, diligently with some really amazing uh, women uh, who facilitated with us um, a. Uh, Six week training um, with the front office staffs, the executive staffs of uh, Chicago Fire of Major League Soccer, uh, Oakland Roots of USL, um, and Angel City FC of NWSL, and uh, the sadly now defunct um, Chicago House of uh, NISA. But we, um, you know, ran them through our curriculum. We had some really amazing uh, dialogue discussion. Um, and I think some people uh, took home some really great lessons and I would like to think that well I don't you know it did have a, a real effect because since since taking the training in Chicago fire um, has hired uh, Ezra Hedrickson as uh, their head coach as well as CJ Brown as an assistant coach and uh, junior um Gonzalez uh, as a, I think he's a Bruin, right? Kaya as the other assistant coach. So this is um, pretty amazing that the fire, you know, contributed to the cause, participated in the in the uh, in the training, and then also you know put um, action to to their espoused beliefs and hired an entirely non-white uh, coaching staff.
3: Can you can you talk about the training a little bit? Like not to get too in the weeds about it, but like can you talk about how that. You know, kind of permeates different levels of an organization.
0: Uh yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, again, the idea behind the anti racist project to be was to be this comprehensive, you know, uh solution uh to uh to the problem of marginalization and, and anti-black racism or really all sorts of racism in the sport. And we designed, we are designing um an executive training program, coaches. Uh, players, and then a fans uh, program on the professional side and then on the uh, youth side, uh, um, youth players program. And Kai will talk about that more later. Um, The executive program was really about, you know, really challenging the preconceived ideas of decision makers, right, who are typically white and um, kind of turning that critical lens. Well, first teaching them a little bit of a 101 on on what it means to be anti-racist. Right. And then as decision makers and, you know, private policymakers within their organizations, how to kind of uh, remove that deficit lens that that many uh, status quo people kind of view marginalized uh, individuals. Right. And to understand that um, whether you're a woman coach or a black coach, you um, you're, you know, equally as uh, qualified, available, and competent to have the leadership qualities that that uh, you know ownership and executives typically look for when they're building out their technical staffs.
2: I mean, specific to that training, were there any? you know particular like aha like anecdotal moments or kind of like self-discovery that occurred because you think about you know people use the word executive sometimes it paints a a pretty broad uh, at least in the modern world maybe negative light in terms of some connotations like what were some of the you know individual takeaways kind of you know not specific to one person but from that group as they not just the impact that we saw at Chicago Fire but some of the you know said in the room like learnings that were had take took place
0: yeah i mean uh, kaya feel free to jump in i think for me the big aha moment for a lot of the participants was uh, we did an exercise um with these two you know hypothetical characters and they were extremely similar and both wanted to be involved in soccer right and one of them was a black individual and one of them was a white individual and um we had the participants, you know, step into the shoes of those respective people. Like we split the group up, right? And they made decisions on this decision tree. And then they found out, you know, then they, as they made the decisions, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. I don't know if you've ever read those books when you were young. Um, they uh, they got to uh, an end point, right? And some of them uh, ended up where they wanted to be in soccer. And then some of them ended up um, outside the sport, right? And we, you know, then stepped back from the exercise, and had the the individuals like speak to why they made those decisions, right, based on the character they were playing, and it really elucidated the this idea that a lot of things that affect you know our respective uh, trajectories in life are are you know fortuitous, outside our control, and happening not, having nothing to do with our our you know inherited characteristics, right, and you know, I, Kai and I, I think. Both were, you know, very frank with with them, and shared our own personal, um, you know, stories and trajectories through the sport, and you know, and just you know, spoke to the things that held us back, and also spoke to uh, our respective privileges that you know propelled us, right? Because I think a lot of people um, like to rely on that uh, self made person myth, right, and, and not contribute anything to you know how they were born, where they're born, the structures or systems that were around them or the privileges that they had. Right. So I found that to be, you know, personally and I think for the group, one of the one of the most um, one of the coolest aspects of the the program.
1: Yeah, I'll say for me, the thing that I think really stuck out to me was I think in the last session that we did with the group or the cohort, we basically challenged them to create some sort of like anti-racist program or policy um, within this like fake organization that we had. And we sort of did it in a way that was super time crunched. And I think it sort of mirrored the way in which a lot of organizations currently try to push through anti-racist policies or programs. And I know I felt at, by the end of it. And I'm sure a lot of the people who went through this cohort felt that it was extremely rushed after having done all the work up to that point to learn about what goes into making anti-racist policy and slash war programs. Um, so for me, I think that was sort of a culmination of all the, the lessons that we had implemented in the training. And <laughs> I think it was a, a really good reflection point for people who were sitting in these positions of power as executives and front office members and on, you know, coaching staff. So they could see that it, in order to create truly anti-racist policy change, it takes time and thoughtfulness and collaboration and listening and learning from the groups that it will be affecting. Um, it's not just a one size fits all formula uh, to be done. Um, so that was something for me that really stood out
0: about that training. Yeah. And I'll just jump in one more thing. It sounds like we're doing the whole training on, on the pod, but there was a lot of,
1: it was really substantive and it was really well received
0: and I, I'm still excited about it. And I'm excited for the next cohort to get going. Um, but the other thing that we were really intentional about was being, um, very practical, right? This was, we did a lot of, um, you know, hypotheticals based in the, the, the world of sport. Like you have, it's like a practical exams almost. Right. So I think that people found it to be really informative. Um, and especially Kaya, when we did the, you know, the categorization where we would, we looked at actual policies put on by different uh, sporting organizations and asked the question, you know, is this a per- performative action or is this a substantively anti-racist action? Right. And there was a rubric and a framework, uh, that, that was given that they could assess these things. And it was really, I think, eye-opening for the individuals to to dig into things that they thought maybe were, were legitimate and, and see how performative they actually were.
2: Well, we have gotten a ton of information about what Common Goal has been doing in the classroom with these executives to really push forward the curlicu- curriculum that they have put together to help drive this education and create more anti-racist leaders in the sport uh, we're going to take a real quick ad break and then we're going to get into some of the information around kind of black history month the additional work that common goal has been doing with the anti-racist project some of the youth elements as well that kai has been leading but we are going to get take that quick break we'll be right back thank you to the sponsors for supporting the show
3: all right we are we are back um despite that 60 seconds of of intro we are uh we're back here and i i think I want to toss this uh, to you kaya first um you know it is black history month you guys have put out uh, a ton of social content over the last couple of weeks uh, about how you're highlighting different stories uh, throughout the month that will kind of help aid this anti-racist uh, project and help prove out some of the the core pillars that you guys are working on uh, this is obviously you know still very uh, prudent given that there's still a lot of abuse happening uh, across the sport and across many different sports uh, in the U.S. and in Europe, can you kind of talk about you know maybe just Black History Month in in general what it means to you, and then what we what you guys are working on with the anti-racist project during this month that will that will help hopefully spur it on in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> what Black History Month means to me—that's a big uh, question, but I think you know essentially what it is. It's a time to reflect and rejoice and celebrate the journey and success of Black individuals throughout the world, um, especially in America as well, just given the history uh, that a lot of African Americans have in this country. I think it's a time for us as a nation and us as a community to acknowledge um, just how resilient Black people are in this country and I know for me personally, it's a time to reflect and reconnect with my ancestral roots and pay respects to my ancestors and those who have come before me in all spaces of, um, you know, Black history and Black activism and um, the Black struggle. So that's sort of my image of, of what Black History Month is, and I think it's also a time to really you know, push towards the future and continue to sustain a lot of the change that we have been working so hard for, for so many centuries for. Um, But in terms of, you know, what Common Goal is doing for Black History Month, I think we're really trying to make it a point to reflect, again, sort of in the way that I described, reflect on all the amazing work that organizations involved in the anti-racist project, especially, um or just involved in creating change for the black community in soccer. It's a a time for us to reflect and celebrate those organizations and all their efforts and really um, emphasize the work that they're doing and highlight it and show it off and acknowledge it and celebrate it. Um, So I think, you know, what we're trying to do with black history month is just like with the anti-racist project, we're trying to tackle racism from all these different angles, from the executive angle, from the, Youth perspective, from the player perspective, from the coaching perspective, from the fan perspective, um, and so I think that what we're trying to do with our our content this month is really reflect all the spaces that racism is permeating the game, and all the spaces that these organizations are fighting for the Black community, um, fighting for equity and inclusion and diversity in the sport. Um, so whether that's a fan organization. Whether that's you know the player collectives that have come out of 2020, whether that's grassroots organizations or clubs who are doing the work like the Chicago Fire, it's I think our our testament to the power of collective action and what the anti-racist project can bring to the global game.
3: Is there a is there one story that you guys have collected so far that you, you, know, you guys put out on on social that you're going to honor the individuals and organizations that are doing the work to fight? um, anti-black racism, right? Um, is there one story that kind of sticks out to you so far as you guys have been able to, to talk to folks?
1: I mean, I'm doing a lot of the interviewing, so it's been really cool to connect with people across all aspects of the game. I think every story is super unique. This sounds like a super politician. Answer, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but I, I think probably what is most personal to me, just, Given my own experience as a former player, it's been really nice to connect um, with members of the Black Players Alliance, the Black Women's Players Collective and Black Players for Change. Um, So I don't think that article is out yet, but it will be coming. So I think for me, just seeing the respective power of all these players um, and all the work that they're doing, while still being professional players to try and drive change forward for the black community um, has been especially powerful for me to talk about, for me to learn about, for me to understand and for me to share.
2: You know, as we take a look at some of the kind of next steps in this journey, right, like as this is, you know, a month, but really it's a, a year long day, you know, every day, 24 hours a day. You know, this is a ongoing effort and organization to make sustainable change happen. What are some of the kind of next steps, next milestones that are hanging out there that people should be aware about for where the project is heading, or maybe some things that are kind of currently have got into flight and are about to land with some some really meaningful impact?
1: Yeah, I'd say that the next big phase of the anti-racist project, um, we touched a lot on the executive level, and now we're really shifting our focus towards the youth level, both for players and coaches. Um we've been in development for, I think since summer, uh, <laughs> the framework and the content for a really awesome project that doesn't have a true name yet, but we are collectively referring to as the Anti-Racist League. And essentially what it is, is a competition-based curriculum to engage youth players and youth coaches in learning about anti-racist concepts and um, practices, best practices, not only through just simple education, reading and learning through PowerPoints or learning through presentations, but also through actually playing on the field and learning about the concepts while playing soccer. Um, and it's been in development for a while. It features both a coach's training for you know, inclusive facilitation practices and also anti-racist best practices. And then it also has over 30 or approximately 36 challenges um, for youth players to actually engage with this content on the field, on and off the field. Um, so it's it's pretty revolutionary. <laughs> Humble brag, it's pretty revolutionary. I've never seen anything quite like it across sports. Um, it's been a collective effort with, you know, at this point, hundreds of hours of work and collaboration uh, across grassroots organizations with coaches, with stakeholders, with players, with um, educators. So it, it really has been a truly collective effort to create content and design for this league and you know, we're working to create its own online platform um, so that people can engage with the content directly and have it easily accessible, no matter where you are in the country. So um, that's sort of what we're we're focused on mainly in 2022. And I think looking at it from somebody who has sort of recently gone through well, I guess not recently. I guess it's been like a decade—but um, who has gone through the the youth system, I think back to how vital this sort of education would have been to me in my journey as a young Black player and just as a soccer player in general. And I think that if we can start to put the ideas in the head of people when they're young to you know, think of anti-racism as a really important um, value to hold, then it'll help stop some of the racism that we're seeing in the game now before it even can formulate. Um, So I think it's a really cool program that we're working on. I don't know if you have any other thoughts, Evan. Yeah, no, I just, I would just say that
0: um, one of the, the really uh, great things about Common Goal is that it's, it's, it's um, and how we are addressing these issues, right. Is, We've used this word collective action a lot, um, but it's really, it's really a, you know, a collaborative, uh, you know, participation with those closest to the problem, right? So Kai is talking about all the different individuals and uh, stakeholders that contributed to this. Like we have been working with, you know, NGOs, you know, soccer in the streets, soccer without borders, America scores. These are all, you know, people whose passion and lives have been working with you know children and adults in these areas that are affected right and they're the ones with the help of you know educators and, and soccer experts uh, like Kaya to um, create the content right and deliver it in, in the best way and same thing with the executive training program as as with with the with the youth league before we even started it wasn't this um, you know savior Mentality where Common Goal comes in and and places something upon this group, right? That needs help. We spoke to those affected by these issues and that informed the creation of of the respective programs. And, you know, the executives wanted something practical that they could use, right? From the youth, we heard over and over again, it can't just be like this academic thing, a talking to, right? The children have to have like an experiential learning um, aspect. And that's what's, I think to me, you know, Kai used revolutionary. I, w- I would, I would, I uh, would, second that, like the experiential aspect of the, of this training is really, really neat. Um, and it's also going to facilitate some exchange between, uh, pay for play kids and, uh, um, children who are in, um, you know, uh, subsidized or free programming. So it should be really, really, um, informative and intro- uh, you know, um, Yeah, just really informative and and ideally really affecting uh, these people when they're young.
2: You know, as we look in addition to like so we we talked a little bit about the youth now we talked about the executive uh, and kind of coaching levels. The one that we also talked about previous before, Evan, is the fan element as well where does that kind of stand you know because we see we've seen now fans uh walking onto pitches during the middle of matches and uh chelsea players being uh you know uh carded for uh trying to enforce safety and security practices but Hmm. i I mean fans play uh just a big part sometimes uh, more than they need to sometimes in the game uh what's that level of training looking like at this point Oh, Kai, do you want to take this one or?
0: <laughs> you
1: want to take this one, Evan?
0: <laughs> so no, so you know the um, we we the fan portion of it is um, we had something going, but uh, we kind of put that on pause, and we're focusing really on the the youth youth aspect now. Um, so I, I don't really have we don't really have that part built out yet, right? You can't do it all at once. Um, I think that after the the youth uh, youth program launches, Kai and I will really focus on the players uh, next, and then also the coaches. Um, not to say that we're not we're not trying to do everything simultaneously, but there there is a little bit of a prioritization. Um, I can say. Um, which is a, a separate project that Common Goal is involved in, but equally is, is interesting and I think uh, will be as impactful as uh, Play Proud United, which uh, we're all working on, which is, uh, you know, to your question, dealing with fans, right? Uh, in ramp up to the 2026 World Cup, you know, in Canada, United States, and Mexico, um, we're partnering with um, a Canadian Premier League team, two MLS teams, uh, a USL team, and two... De- uh, NWSL teams, and then one Liga uh, MAC Ace team. And we are taking a, um, a front office staff, one of the uh, NGOs that the respective organizations work with, and then a representative from one of the fan groups from each organization. And they're doing uh, the Play Proud training, which is uh, was created by Lily um, back in, I think, 2017 or 18. And uh, Megan Rapinoe was the spokesperson for that. Um and that's uh, two 40-hour trainings over the year. And the idea is that, um, you know, those individuals will be champions for creating LGBTQ plus inclusive spaces in the stadium. And, um, you know, they'll have practiced that and it will infiltrate their, you know, the the NGO they work with, the organization that's there, and also the fan groups to ideally, you know, we can't control the and um World Cup, but ideally when it's here in North America on our soil that we have a a uh, stadiums that are, are free from homophobia and uh racist chanting and incidents that you're referring to. Amen.
3: Amen. Um yeah I know friends of the American Outlaws are working on on stuff like that as well. Um with our, our lovely rivalry with Mexico. So uh look, I think the the last thing we want to touch on is just um, you know opportunity. Right. Uh, you know, we were on the on the horn before we jumped on the podcast and we were kind of talking about current events of the day. And, uh, you know, I guess Evan just want to get your your point of view on, you know, the Rooney rule and other such uh, inclusion rules that are, are maybe not working as much and what might, you know, kind of take their place eventually.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's interesting. The Rooney rule. I, has very much been I think the model rule for attacking the, the you know the underrepresentation of marginalized people um, there's been a lot of fanfare about that but I think the you know the recent Brian Flores lawsuit and and uh, all the, the subsequent reshuffling of the the decks on the, the the Titanic which is the NFL coaching carousel right has I um, kind of illuminated the the uh, the lack of efficacy of the Rooney rule, right? In 2003, when it was started, I think there were three black head coaches. And then just barely, you know, at the end of this last season, there was only one black head coach. And then, of course, there's been some recent hires, right? Due to all sorts of uh, reasons. But, you know, um, creating, you know, legislating this problem and not um, putting in, you know, effective, you know, sticks or carrots, uh, we can see from, the last 20 years of Rooney Rule data that it's not effective, right? Or, you know, that the English FA, you know, has a volunteer diversity initiative, right? Um, And there's been a lot of criticism, you know, across the pond uh, about how um, useful something like that is. And again, circling back to what we're attempting to do at Common Goal, right, is um, affecting the people who are going to be in those seats of power whether they be players coaches fans or or, or executives and ideally they'll you know have been you know educated enough and made aware enough and have become uh empathetic enough to understand that you know uh, regardless of sex gender race religion what have you um people who know soccer know soccer right and we're each um Readily available and um, willing to have all the the leadership capabilities that you know certain status quo executives think are only imbued in certain white people, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like there's the need for the anti-racist program, the need for Play Proud United, the need for you know personal education to make individuals do that heavy lifting, right? Is so essential, right? And we can't really rely on it being legislated. Uh, from afar and then you know being uh enforced um in in not such a uniform manner which is what we've seen really with like the
2: nfl so as we transition to you know the end of our time together because uh you know we also have things to uh to do uh uh, uh, not surprisingly evan's in a car right now we're going to expose the fact (laughs) that he's doing this from the road he's finding a way to make it happen um we, we want to turn the the conversation to how individuals who are listening or kind of tuning in and hear, either hearing about Common Goal for the first time or hearing about Common Goal for the hundredth time from us, um, how they can contribute and support, whether it be the anti-racist project or the many other efforts that are being undertaken under the common goal umbrella. And so you know, I, I think um, there are there are probably paid ways and they're like zero dollar, like no cost ways, because even 1% for some people may not be something that is ab- obtainable for them to contribute now, but might be something in the future. So you know, Kaya, what would your recommendations be for uh, some ways that people can get involved?
1: Yeah, I think um, we talk about sort of monetary and non-monetary for the non-monetary. I think, sharing and elevating our mission with a common goal is a really powerful way to contribute to the cause. The more people that know about it, the more potential there is for that 1% to be donated. And as I think one of you talked about in the beginning, as that 1% adds up and as we start to see that collective coming together, it, it definitely can create a large impact. So one thing I would definitely say is share where you can and you know, (laughs) talk about it to people that you know, it doesn't just have to be distant social media posting, it can also be in just having really genuine, um, honest one on one conversations um, in your everyday life. Uh, Monetary wise, I, I realize capital is king, I think that a lot of people in the soccer space, especially fans, uh, don't realize the power that they have with the money that they spend. Um, So, you know, whether that's taking a 1% pledge yourself or supporting organizations who are, I think that is a really powerful way that you can use your money to contribute to the cause. Obviously, we talked a lot about what we're doing here at Common Goal, specifically with the Anti-Racist Project. And I think anybody who wants to get involved should do research into organizations who are, you know, also directly engaging in anti-racist work, whether that's associated with Common Goal or not. I think, you know, moving the ball forward for all of us is a super positive thing. Um, So I think, you know, pledging 1% and slash or supporting organizations who are and slash or supporting organizations who are just being anti-racist in general is how you can support what we are trying to fight for here at Common Goal.
2: Yeah,
0: and I would just add, Um, financially, of course you can contribute at common goal, common hyphen goal.org, right? Hopefully that'll be in the show notes. Um, but another, you know, really, really important, um, non-financial contribution. And again, the last, you know, 20 some months have demonstrated this, you know, in the actual world, right? Individuals, despite, you know, I think a lot of people's belief, uh, do have power, Right. We saw the Super League come up and the fan response was so, um, you know, immediate and visceral and it, it, it made change. Right. So the same thing uh, can be done, um, you know, by numbers of individuals acting independently, which like becomes an aggregation. Right. So if your organization is not involved with Common Goal, you know, if you're with the Seattle Sounders or you're with, you know, the Washington Spirit or, or whomever, um, you can write them. You can email them, you can tweet at them and say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Why not partner with common goal? Right. Whoever your you know favorite sports drink person is or, or what have you, but like using that individual, um, that, that individual, um, effort, uh, is actually something. And to Kaya's point of, of capital being King, um, you know, you know, voting with your dollars and, and suggesting that we're uh, not suggesting uh, requiring the people that you spend money with uh, to do good things is uh, it, it works. Right. So I, I would suggest that as well.
3: It's one of my it's one of the, my favorite quotes is never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, is the only thing that ever has. Um, I guess final point here, you guys are hiring. Uh, which is hard enough these days uh, with the crazy job market. Uh, you guys have a bunch of different positions open from a social media manager to head of partnerships to a data manager to a member relations manager. Uh, make a plea to folks listening to come apply for these positions. Go.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to make a plea, but uh, it really is. I if, you, if you're listening to this point and you can't tell that it's a great organization, uh, to be a part of then I'm not sure what else I can say um if if any of the work that we're doing interests you uh please apply and you know join the team it's it's a really amazing and fulfilling organization to be working with and I know that um, anybody who who joins is lucky so
0: don't waste fourteen years of your life being a lawyer and uh, being miserable right do something Constructed with your time that you love that helps other people. Um, so join common goal.
3: How about that? There it is, Dan. We, we got it. We got it wrapped. Uh, don't there be a lawyer.
2: Go, <laughs> <laughs> as, as we just found out, Kaya has uh, been accepted Applied to multiple law, school. law schools. <laughs> right well, if, if, you're,
0: if you're really, really smart, you're going to be a really amazing lawyer, then definitely do that. But, you know, like civil litigator like me, not so much.
2: Well, Evan, Kaya, from the bottom of our hearts and kind of on behalf of our listeners, thank you for dedicating some of the time that could have been spent to uh, more training, more facilitation, more preparation to continue great work with Common Goal. We appreciate you uh, taking that time to invest in this conversation so we can continue being uh, a great partner and communicating with the platform we have to more individuals about this great work, this great initiative and how they can contribute to being a part of that positive change in the moment. Nick, any final thoughts before we wrap it up and send people on their way?
3: Go donate. That's it. That's all I got.
2: Okay. Well, that's it. Well, Hey Chelsea fans, thank you so much for listening to this one. We really appreciate it. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and you're staying safe, but until next time you do what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.